Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In, uh, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. My name is Megan. Today, I am lucky to be joined by Sarah Sodorov. She is the senior PR manager at Too Good to Go. Um, really excited to actually dig into... Sorry, no pun intended. I try to avoid saying dig into because it just sounds like I'm like pushing my brand. <laughs> pushing my brand. Um, but yes, I'm very excited to dive into what she gets up to at Too Good to Go, sort of the concept of the company and, and how it's begun. Um, and I think it's just really interesting to discuss PR when it comes to a company that's really trying to do good in the world. Like what kind of messages are going to resonate with customers and actually convert them? Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Megan, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, let's kick it off. Tell me a little bit about what to go... Too good to go is, and also a little bit about your background and your journey to to get here. So, too good to go is the world's largest marketplace for selling surplus food, and that sounds you know kind of fancy, but really what we are is we are a mechanism for businesses who produce and sell food to sell the surplus that they don't sell throughout the course of business. So, if you think of um, a bakery or a grocery store. The amount of food that they have typically is over-indexed based on what they sell. So they might have a little bit of a buffer or potentially they have, you know, they estimate they're going to have more customers than they do. And every food selling business, whether it is a gas station convenience store or a high-end restaurant has surplus food waste. And we provide a platform for them to sell that directly to the consumer at one third the retail cost. So the benefit is businesses can recoup some of the revenue they would otherwise lose either by having to give that food away to employees or throw it out. And consumers can eat great food for one third the cost. And we are all helping the environment because the impacts of surplus food waste on the environment are tremendous. And I can get into some of that impacts as we start to talk about why and where we expanded throughout the world. Yeah, I actually, so when Sarah and I first connected, I was mentioning that I lived in the UK for a while and actually had heard of Too Good To Go um, a little while ago. Like, and it was definitely on my radar years ago. Um, so it's kind of really cool to see it progressed into North America um, and to see how well you guys are doing. But I'm intrigued, like, how did we get here? Like, what was sort of the... Um, how did you know that you should you should move into the Canadian market and, and the U.S. market? Um, and, and why did it start in the U.K.? Yeah, I mean, you're ahead of me because when I was interviewing for the role, I didn't know what it was and it wasn't available. So I've been with Too Good To Go for almost two years since before we launched in Canada. And when I was um, interviewing, we didn't even, it wasn't available in the app store. So you couldn't, I couldn't even download it and figure it out. We had to kind of rely on what the model looked like in Europe. We were actually founded in Denmark in 2016, um, but also by a little bit of a wayward route by a couple of French people who had worked for larger um, food distribution conglomerates, specifically Nestle. And they had seen the tremendous amount of food waste that happens on the production side. Things like, I think if we even think about, um, I'll take the example of a Kit Kat. The Kit Kat had the wrong... um, if the Kit Kat word itself wasn't directly centered, they would throw out that Kit Kat. 
So really thinking about, wow. I think, throughout the development of, you know, um, so that's crazy. Like <laughs> I know our founder, Lucy talks about, she would go into this room and it would just be like disposed of perfectly good to eat, just disposed of Kit Kats that were a little bit imperfect. And she really, um, and, and her co-founders really thought about, okay, if this is happening here, it's happening at a great level. We, uh, another example of, is um, one of our co-founders would wait outside a grocery store and he would see the food getting thrown into dumpsters, perfectly packaged, mm. sealed, would have been sold for full price. And so he would go into the dumpsters and literally dumpster dive and eat it. And I think um, through seeing the, just those two examples, they really found that there was a need for this. So after expanding throughout Denmark, and it literally started as a web page, it's kind of funny to hear them tell the story. They would like physically walk their computer to stores and be like, please sign on here. They developed the app. The app became available in the App Store and the Google Play Store at the end of 2016. And then in the beginning of 2017, they expanded into a couple markets throughout Europe. And we are now in 15 markets across Europe. In August of 2020, the app expanded to the US. And then in July of 2021, we came to Canada and started in Toronto. In September of that year, we went to Vancouver, and then in October, Montreal, and then 14 markets across Canada. So I think um, the reason for expansion is obviously there's food waste everywhere, and we believe that there is a solution to end food waste, a really simple solution to end food waste, and we also believe in a planet without food waste. So we are ambitious, but we, we truly believe that you can eliminate food waste. It requires participation of everybody, though. So if you Think about like you and I might love saving food waste and might have great tips for what we do at home, but if not everyone is doing it and if there isn't collective participation, we won't have that global impact. What we want to do is make sure that we have as many, so when we enter markets, have a good cohort of partners who can start and can start saving food today and then that people can also know about it so they can start saving food. So there's that you know healthy balance of supply and demand. Very interesting. I mean, I think the... I think that there's something that um, came up actually when we initially connected around Europe being the type of place where people shop. Well, they have smaller fridges. I can attest to this. Um, they very much do have smaller fridges. And there's also just this culture of picking up dinner, like on your way home from work or yeah. shopping more like shopping locally more frequently. How have you guys yeah. found um, making that transition within North America? I know it's like the land of ginormous freezers big fridges, um, you know, you do your monthly Costco trip. Like, what does that sort of looked like for you? Yeah, I mean, I went to Costco yesterday for my monthly trip, and you're exactly correct. I <laughs> grew up in Austria and then um, lived in Berlin for a time during my 20s. And that's exactly the culture. It was never that you had... I mean, I think my fridge in Berlin was the size of the same kind of fridge I had in my university dorm room, which was like a little beer fridge. Um, because there isn't that same kind of mentality around purchasing for weeks at a time. And also the way that food is preserved and stored there is very different. So the, um, the ability to even store food for longer doesn't exist. We obviously know that there's a difference in consumption habits, purchase habits, and even just transit habits in North America. But we've tried to be as responsive to those differences as possible. So if you think about um, when we expanded to North America, we first went to New York City, which has a huge density of restaurants in a walkable distance mm. from people. And the same thing was when we came to Canada, we first came to Toronto. Our goal is to start in downtown urban centers where there is that density and that people can either without having to, because we're a pickup app, we won't do delivery, without having to drive or without having to travel 45 kilometers, they can pick up food. 
Um, once we get a certain number of stores, a good collection of stores within a downtown core and a good variety, then we can slowly start to expand outward into those suburban and exurban spaces. But there needs to be, you know, a, a pretty decent amount of store selection to do that. It doesn't help people very much to have a one-off store in the middle of nowhere, because even though you might get a discount there, that store isn't going to do very well in terms of getting their bags saved and people aren't really going to know about it. We really are measured in our approach to expansion for that reason. We don't want to just enter into a country and say, okay, every food selling business can now be on the app, even though people are always DMing us and always emailing me to say, why don't you come to my city? And we will. It just needs to be in a measured way to ensure that we have both the active supply there that consumers, when they have the demand, mm. can also have the variety to pick things up. Um, I think what we need to consider too is the differences in cultural um, kind of food purchasing and food consumption habits are always going to be true. We enter into each market with a idea where we say we're a very global company with a hyper local focus. And when you open the app, it is super local because you see the businesses that are close to you in your city, in your region. If we have Starbucks on the app in the UK, but we don't have them in Canada, it doesn't really help you to know that there's Starbucks there. What you care about is what can I buy from today and what's the Mm. local, is it a Tim Hortons or is it a local coffee shop that's near me that I can purchase from? So while we do believe the issue of food waste is global, it absolutely requires the impact of everybody. It's also a very hyper-local mechanism to get people to save that surplus food that's around them collectively rather than, you know, again, traveling a hundred miles to go pick something up. There is sometimes that novelty. I mean, if I go to a different part of the city, I definitely pick up from something different, but it's based on where I'm already going. Yeah. I think that hyper local, you know, global company with a hyper local focus was the kernel of an idea for this episode in terms of like, when we initially chatted, I was like, we could go in so many different directions. Um, I'm so fascinated by your business model. I'm fascinated by, well, actually, let me say, I'm really interested in how you decide on those markets in terms of appetite from consumers. So you mentioned like, you want to be able to have, um, you do it in a measured way. You want to make sure that you have just the right number of partners on board and that there's also appetite from consumers. How do you go about understanding that? Um, well, I'll say smarter people than me figure that out and they do so. <laughs> they do so, I think, in, in a really brilliant way. Um, Toronto was the natural first entry market into Canada. So that was you know, a pretty easy decision. We are headquartered in Toronto and the majority of our staff is located in Toronto. So it also allowed us, and that was the longest lead time we had to a launch. It was like three months when we decided on a launch till when we actually launched, which now that time period is much slower. It's like a three-week turnaround. Um, obviously, um, Vancouver and Montreal made a lot of sense thereafter, just in terms of population size. They will always be our, our hubs. They'll be our biggest cities. And we definitely did not want to enter Canada without having a strategy for also entering into Quebec, which is a really important market for us. There's um, actually, interestingly, because the app has such a foothold in France, there's a ton of already strong brand, brand name recognition oh, about us in Quebec. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And also, interestingly, Quebec has much more diversity in terms of choice for partners who do similar work to what we do, whereas the rest of Canada really doesn't. We don't really have a one-to-one comparison oh, anywhere wow. else in Canada. So that's been an interesting and, and very singularly separate. We do, um, one of my colleagues is specifically focused on Quebec from a PR standpoint. We do very directed specific work there. The messaging 
is unique there as well. But I think the other important part on that, you know, global local kind of balance too, is when we enter a market, it doesn't do us any good to say, we are this massive global company because what you want is something that matters to you on a day-to-day basis. So we really do only launch when we have strong partners who we believe are local that have... um, And that's why I said like Starbucks wouldn't necessarily be a launch partner. We love them. We want them on the app. But what we want is the local, you know, Sarah's grocery shop or like Megan's coffee shop because those are embedded within the community. We also know that there are some markets who are naturally more well-attuned to our message than others. Vancouver is a really good example of this. Vancouver has a really strong sustainability you know, mindset. They are fantastically already yeah. leading the way in a lot of um, anti-waste mechanisms and a lot of things that they do collectively. They were the first, I believe, in the country to have no um, plastic bag policy, which we had to contend with shortly after we launched to figure out how do we get food into the hands of our consumers if there are no bags? And they've been a, a you know kind of national and I, I think North American leader in terms of some of that um, you know having a, a focus on sustainability as opposed to a focus on profit. So that was a natural next step for us. The other markets that we want to enter into are ones that definitely have surplus food waste. So while our mission is really environmental, we know that there's a huge profit driver for businesses to ensure that they are not wasting food because it's wasted money. Mm-hmm. So wherever there is, you know, again, a downtown core or a large population of people, we do believe that there is a really easy way for them to adopt our, our model. We just launched Windsor and London last week and Victoria last week as well. So we might not think of Windsor and London as these massive cities, but I went to school in London. And so I have a fondness for, you know, the downtown, the Richmond Row and all the restaurants there. And there's over 500,000 people who live in those two markets. So there is, when you think of them as kind of a region, a really strong food scene as well. We will slowly start to expand outside of just those kind of larger cities. We've entered into um, a number of smaller markets in Quebec, Sherbrooke, and we've entered across Southern Ontario as well to Guelph, Oakville, Burlington, Hamilton. And as we start to see some of that migration move, we see more people know about us. And so then it becomes easier to enter into those markets. But there really is, at the end of the day, the goal is every food selling app in the world in Canada to be on the app and every person with a smartphone to be able to access the app. And that just starts kind of slowly in one business at a time. We, when we enter into a market as well, we might enter with 50 businesses, but slowly there will be a hundred businesses and then they will continuously be added. So it's not kind of just a snapshot and then we leave. It's continuous growth everywhere. Okay. I could continue to sort of, I feel like the, the thing I really want to get to is this idea of to, you're the PR manager. You, you are essentially, and tell me if I'm wrong, but responsible for like sort of, creating a message or a story, I guess, within the market for, for too good to go. And I think that that's a really interesting proposition given this like global business, but hyper local offering. Um, and maybe it is a little bit simpler than, than I, than I think it is, but yeah, my gut is that you do have to adapt that depending on like the types of customers that you're trying to acquire um, or the type of app users that you're trying to sort of grow within those spaces. How have you, how have you, so you've obviously taken over from a North American perspective, like what did you bring from, and what kind of knowledge did you bring into developing that story from the European markets and how do you have to adapt it depending on 
you know, say it's Toronto versus Windsor or London or Victoria, if at all. Yeah, no, we absolutely, you're spot on. We absolutely do. I'll take the the example of, um, we launched in the Ottawa Gatineau region in June of last Mm -hmm. year, June of 2022. Um, And we looked at that market as a singular market, just understanding that there was a language, um, like, you know, French on one side and English on the other. So we had to ensure that we had spokespeople for both. Actually, when we were doing market development, we also learned just by doing research and speaking with people that there were motivating factors that were separate for each. So Ottawa was more motivated by the environmental, wanting to be a leader in the country, wanting to have sustainable companies join there, wanting to be um, thought of as as not following along, but actually driving change toward environmental change, whereas Gatineau was highly motivated by cost. So that marketplace really wanted to be able to, from a business standpoint, recoup lost revenue, and from a consumer standpoint, get food for one third the cost. And we do that in every market that we go into. What we say in Alberta isn't going to be the same thing as what we say in BC. And what we say in parts of BC isn't going to be the same as what we say in, you know, Vancouver. There are differences based on what we know those businesses want to hear and what we know those consumers want to hear. Really, my job becomes a lot easier because we have so many local partners. So it allows us to tell the story of that region through the local partners. We will never enter into a marketplace with just chain stores. It will always be a healthy mix of both larger, you know, maybe even a Ontario-wide grocer like Metro, who we um, have on the app throughout all of Ontario, but then also family grocers or also potentially a corner store fruit markets because there needs to be that healthy mix to allow people to have variety, but also because we know there's surplus waste at one of those places. When I joined, as I said, uh, we didn't even have the app. So we had five years worth of historical knowledge from Europe. And we had it at that time, we were in 15 markets. So there were 15 of me in Europe who had done my job that I could lean on to, but they were, cool. you know, two to three years of experience in, and they already had a media base and a market base and a consumer base who knew about them. What we had to do was introduce ourselves. But before we could even do that, we had to get the level up a little bit in terms of knowing what the surplus food waste issue was in Canada and what the food waste issue was in Canada. And I, I will tell you that I didn't know food waste was such an egregious issue in Canada before joining Too Good To Go, before yeah. doing research on the company. I mean, yeah, we... Be a classic PR manager right now. Hit me with some stats because like I, you, I think you told me a couple, the last time we talked mm-hmm. and I was floored. Um, yeah. Um, there's, we actually yeah. used to have, I'm set, I'm so set. We recently did a rebrand and so we redid our website. So it's gone, but we had this page that was my favorite on the site that used to rank every country and Canada was the last. So Canada wastes 58% of all the food we produce. The global average is 40%. So we are super over-indexing on our food waste. We also um, contribute 10% of all greenhouse gas emissions come from food waste. If you think of flight travels, only 1%. So I think we are all trying to think about driving electric and not flying as much, but we eat and throw out food every day. And so that's a huge contributor. Canadians also throw $2,000 worth of food a day. Sorry, a year, which especially as we're talking about... <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> As we as we contend with rising inflation and grocery store prices and the cost of everything going up, to think that we're actively throwing away two thousand dollars that could be in our pocket is insane. Um, and we do a lot of measurement around the amount that we're putting back into Canadians' pockets because everything they purchase on the app 
they would have paid full price for. So they're saving it at every purchase. The same thing for businesses. Everything that they would have had to donate, give away, or throw out is money back in their pocket. So there's you know, real value to what we're offering them. We also know mm-hmm. that when we joined, we were in the middle of COVID. And we had seen a huge change in people's purchasing behavior as well as what businesses produced and what they knew that they could sell. Shortly thereafter, we started to see the effects of inflation really have an impact. So um, we started, I I believe the first pitch I wrote about inflation, we were at 6% food inflation year over year. Now we're upwards of 12. And that happened in the course of a year. So it's, yeah, I think we can talk about anecdotally, things are expensive, you feel it, but really food is expensive. And we we have seen that. Um, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we saw the heads of the grocery store were in Ottawa being grilled to figure out how can we lower food costs? What is, what is really the cause of this? And I don't see that going down for a while, as much as we, you know, want to demand that things get a little bit under control. We're, we're not going to see the impacts of any kind of inflationary decrease soon. So consumers need a better way to be able to control their food bills. And if the added benefit is they're also reducing waste, which is better for the environment, then we believe that's a win for everybody across the board. Mm. Yeah, it's so crazy. And I'm wondering, like, when you're when you're constructing those more hyper-localized messages, like, I like that you used some examples around, you know, for one area cost was sort of the biggest issue or um, savings would have been the biggest issue. To what extent do you lean into those? um, The reason that Too Good To Go was built is, um, you know, to eliminate food waste. Like to what extent do you lean into those um, emotional benefits, I guess, that people might um, expect from joining the app on the consumer side, or I guess on the business side, those like emotional benefits as opposed to the hard sort of like, um, you know, grocery bills are being saved or um yeah time is is saved because you don't have to go to a costco or whatever how do you how do you choose between those again it's really based on what do we think is the strongest message that we have for that audience so there's a lot of times and as you can imagine as well i think my history as a pr manager i either worked in consumer pr or i work in corporate pr or i'd work in b2b pr or b2c this, we do everything. We do lifestyle, we do environmental, yeah. we do B2B, we do B2C. So there's not probably a day where we're just focusing on one thing. Usually our message translates across a number of different verticals. And it's important that we ensure that we really are capturing all of that. We've done a lot of work on the social side about, you know, kind of the collective responsibility we all have. But I think people don't love to hear that they have a responsibility to be good to our planet because that feels like homework. It feels like, oh, this is now a thing I'm going to have to feel bad about if I don't do. Whereas too good to go, the model makes you feel good because you feel like you're saving money. You feel like you're doing Mm. something great for the environment. You're also supporting a local business. There's a really, there's a fantastic, and it's, that wasn't the goal, but there's a, there's a real sense of warmth. And whenever I pick up a bag, it makes me really excited. And what we've also really learned throughout the journey that we've been in Canada is people have an affection for food that they've kind of lost or forgotten. Personally, I regained my love for food during the Mm. pandemic because I was spending so much more time producing food for myself and cooking at home, even doing grocery shopping with more detailed precision because I didn't want to make as many trips or because I, you know, wasn't doing delivery. I had more time. 
And I really regained the love for cooking and experimental cooking, trying things out. We've seen a lot of that come through as well from our partners who we did a recipe book um, at the end of 2021. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually very fun. We um, asked partners to contribute some recipes. We did so on a corporate level as well. And the goal was to help people um, remix their leftovers. So it was take a food that would typically be in a surprise bag turn it into something new and fresh so that you're not having to feel like it's a burden to eat a leftover three days in a row. You can turn it into a new meal. And people are so creative. We hear so much about the creativity from our partners about things they're already doing in store to reduce waste, which I love. And every time I can speak directly to a partner, I learn so much about the ingenuity that happens, the creativity that happens, the love and affection they that they produce. Sharing those stories really is is so much more interesting to me than talking about the monetary impact. Though we do we do know that monetary is a huge driver and a huge importance. If we can't afford to eat, that's a big problem. But the the love and affection that everyone who makes food has for it is is a huge part of why we don't want that food to go to waste because they put effort into it, they put the resources into it. And you know, if you think of a croissant, that's that's a really beautiful thing to make, and to have it go to waste is is a tragedy. We love hearing from partners too. Every time we enter our market, we have a little spreadsheet we keep so we can go back and see what kind of fun things partners do. And we always kind of anecdotally drop those into conversation because people are doing so much more than you think. It's not just mass production of food that's heartless. It's really lovingly prepared. Yeah. Um, Just made me think of uh, what you've just said and made me think of a piece of research we ran sort of at the beginning of the pandemic maybe maybe halfway through the pandemic where we talked about um you know we were asking people like what are you enjoying about the pandemic if anything and one of the things was this idea of like being resourceful so when you talked about wanting like enjoying the you know enjoying picking up a bag of of um food from a partner and being like oh my gosh i wonder what's inside like obviously there's that element but there's also the like oh like i'm doing a good thing element so you know we did a it was an economic survey and we were asking people like are there any silver linings to this and people were like you know i'm learning to do more with less and like mm-hmm. learning to um yeah just like treat things um with care i guess in terms of um you know recreating uh, something in the fridge that you might have thrown out previously because now you might not have as much disposable income and you can't order in yeah um, so those types of things like so that really resonated with me like i think there's definitely something in that um yeah i feel like i could go in so many more directions but i'm going to have to close off soon so i think the last thing i wanted to touch on was just this idea of like b2b versus b2c not that it's like a versus standpoint but to what extent would you say the messaging is similar? Like, how do you handle those two different audiences? Are there, obviously there, there are distinct messages for each, but um, do you worry a lot about those two messages mixing? Like, do you have different, a different channel strategy for those, those um, different routes to market? Because I'm a consumer, but I also work at a, uh, insights and strategy agency. So I might, you know, I don't work in restaurants, but if I did, um, I might also be your partner target. Yeah. Uh, yes to all of the above. I worry that we're not effectively <laughs> messaging to either. <laughs> I worry that we too be the C focus from time to time. I worry that we're not doing a great enough call for businesses to join because that's, 
our most important sector really is as soon as we get more businesses to join, the supply can increase, the variety can increase, the consumer experience will increase. We have, and I will absolutely say that this is not my area of expertise, we have a very strong partner marketing team in North America. We have a B2B marketing manager who really helps to, and we have an entire care team too. I, I, forgive me for not mentioning that off the top. They speak with partners every day. They hear about the struggles of partners every day. They hear about what matters to partners every day. The biggest thing that differentiates Too Good To Go is the surprise bag. So if you purchase from us, you're not getting an itemized list of what's in your bag. You're receiving a value amount and you pay one third for that. The reason that that came about is because partners said at the end of the day, when they're closing out, they don't want another task, which would be photographing, itemizing, putting a description in. That would be a, a huge right. attraction to using. So this is a really simple, easy to use, very effective way for them to move some of that product. That we wouldn't know if we didn't speak to our partners on a very consistent basis. So our partner support team and our care team is always talking to partners about what can we do better for them. Interestingly, I just talked to a partner before I jumped on with you because we we're doing some outreach in Victoria. And I was kind of briefing her on here's what the media opportunity will look like. You know, I can give you a brief. We can do a pre-work. And she's like, no, any press is good press. I want it. And I think that's a huge benefit we can offer our partners as well is that we do have a full, very strong marketing team across North America. We are actively, we don't do any paid media. So everything we do is from earned coverage. So we are actively always trying to uncover those stories that we can sell into media, let them know that there's something unique and different that might not have been shared in another market. But And, and we do do a lot of direct B2B coverage. So that might be if we have a partner announcement, um, we are recently launching with 7-Eleven across Canada, which is fantastic. And we're oh, cool. super excited to have them on board. And so that will be a B2B play where we share that with marketing professionals. We share it with restaurant, um, convenience store news. I love them. They're always covering us. And so we do a lot of targeted work there, but that's a niche audience. What we are also aware of is every business owner is also a consumer. So if we can have a strong B2C message, we will be able to capture some of that B2B audience. We hear a lot that we'll walk into stores and the person working the till might say, oh, I have your app. I know you. I use you. And they've never thought to do it in their own store. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking. So I was like, yeah. would I even have thought of, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe of course, yeah. I would be like, oh, yeah, I should think about getting too good to go here if I worked in a restaurant. But... Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting how you sort of segment your life into like work life. For sure. So, yeah. And I don't think a lot of people, I don't think that that switch happens. I think the more we expand, the more well-known we become, um, that will start to naturally, that will naturally change. There's not a store we can go into in the UK, for example, that hasn't heard of Too Good To Go, but there are millions of stores in Canada who still don't. Um, we're still in our infancy yeah. as much as we like to think like, oh, we're, we're so established. We, we do need to continue to expand. We do need to continue to permeate the market in terms of media. We welcome any food selling business. So honestly, my plea is always if you know a food selling business, if you own one, if you work at one, there is an opportunity for you to join the app. It is super simple to do. Just go to our website. You can put for business and you can sign on immediately. The same thing is true if we're not yet in your market. We will be, but you can DM us, you can message us and say like, I really want this because that also helps us to decide where are we going to expand to next if there's a large enough mm -hmm. cohort of businesses who are eager to join. So there's, I think it's like, it's hard to say, have patience. It's hard to say for us to grow in a measured way, but we really have seen that, that this model works and that by having 
an expansion strategy that allows us to do that dual pronged marketplace, we really can be successful. Our goal is not, as I said, flash in the pan and leave. Like we're here for the long haul. So the stronger we can be in those markets, the more partners we can have, the better we can help reduce food waste and the better consumer experience we can offer. Well, I don't think that there's a better way to end. I think that you've just, <laughs> you've just nailed why people should go and, and check you guys out. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. Um, and yeah, and we will talk to, talk to you soon. I love the app, by the way. We talked about this last time, but thank I think it's you. great. Um, so if you. you are a consumer out there listening, please do download it. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights. And don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.